For sports content from the biggest leagues and competitions across the world, look no further than Reuters Connect, Reuters online news content platform. Reuters Connect makes finding the sports content you need easy, whether it's in-depth reporting from Reuters journalists or access to video highlights from around the world. Bring the world of sport directly to your workplace with Reuters Connect. For more information and a free trial, visit ReutersConnect.com. Welcome to Keeping Score. I'm Ricardo. Each week, we bring you insights from the playmakers, dealmakers, and rulemakers in the world of sports. I'll give you my take on some of the items of the week using my 30 years of experience doing deals for teams, leagues, and players. Plus, we'll talk with a central figure in the sports world. The views expressed in this podcast are my own and do not represent the views of Reuters. Let's get started. Sports professor Rick Haro, inside the $1.3 trillion business of sports, and we are keeping score vaccines versus lockdowns. It's an impact and a decision in life as well as in sports. We'll get out of it soon. The question is where and when and how and what does sports have to do in the meantime? Well, let's look at the deal-making issues of the week three to one. Three. Number three, FIFA introduces the mother of all reforms. World Soccer's governing body FIFA soon introduces a milestone set of maternity regulations for the women's game. Sports Pro says reforms due for approval by the FIFA Council in December will establish new global minimum standards and commercial projections, including at least 14 weeks maternity leave at no less than two-thirds of the players' salaries. All players must also receive medical and physical support to help them reintegrate after giving birth. Maternity benefits were to be the core of the collective bargaining agreement put in place by the WNBA in January. Back in the summer of 2019, Nike was moved to revise its maternity policy after it was revealed that a number of pregnant athletes had been issued reductions in their endorsement fees. In another breakthrough for women in sports, Vanderbilt kicker Sarah Fuller became the first woman to play in a Power 5 college football game on Saturday. She's also a star goalkeeper on Vanderbilt's SEC champion women's soccer squad, That's number three. Two. The Riot Games open the doors to the Valorant Champions Tour, a season-long competition set to take place throughout 2021 with competitions in North America, South America, Europe, Asia, Africa, and Australia. The series will then crown a single global champion at the end of the year. According to Synopsis, the Valorant Champions Tour will feature three levels of competition, challengers, masters, and champions, with the final stage set to feature the top 16 teams in the world before crowning a single global champion. The Champions Tour is our next step to grow Valorant into a global esport worthy of the passion of our fans, said Waylon Roselle, Senior Director of Esports at Riot Games. Our focus will be on elevating and showcasing the creative and talented players who are shaping this game across the globe. Fans and players both wanted high-stakes competition, And that's what the Valorant Champions Tour is designed to do. And that's deal-making issue number two. One. Finally, number one. The PGA Tour acquired a stake in the European Tour's media arm. The Associated Press reported that the PGA Tour announced it has acquired a minority stake in the production company as part of a new alliance that marks a big first step toward developing a more unified golf schedule around the world. The Tours, in a statement, said the alliance would allow them to collaborate on commercial opportunities and global media rights. The immediate goal is figuring out a schedule that keeps the tours from competing against each other 
and strengthening events on both sides of the Atlantic and beyond. The announcement will most likely put an end to the fledgling Premier Golf League. In the days since the announcement, the PGA Tour's move has been widely praised on social media by parochial golfers around the world. Journeyman European players, in particular, might not have to face as many potentially career-altering scheduling decisions and could see a solid boost in their brands. And that's deal-making issue number one. And there is a tremendous intersection between holiday, good stories, and golf. And we bring you this week's interview with Dennis Walters. Wikipedia describes him as an American trickshot golfer, but that's nowhere near the story. In the 1960s, he dominated New Jersey golf, went to North Texas State, turned pro in 1971, and was destined for greatness. In July 1974, he was paralyzed in a South African golf cart accident, but that's where the story begins, not ends. We'll let him tell you the rest of it, culminating with the Bob Jones Award in 2018 and his entry to the World Golf Hall of Fame last year. We give you Dennis Walter. This is a story of international persevering significance uh, here across the pond, everywhere our listeners are. It's about an athlete and a human who doesn't let physical limitations impact him. He's also a great guy with a whole bunch of mutual friends in the golf industry and an, induct- an inductee in the World Golf Hall of Fame, which ought to speak for all of the chops and credentials you possibly could have during the holiday season or any other time. Dennis Walters, how's that for an intro? That's uh, that's pretty darn good, Rick, and I uh, appreciate you having me on, and great talking with you. Well, your story is great, and I know you're, you're filming uh, uh, some things that will uh, be obvious next year and the year after to continue telling the story. Those of us in the industry have known the story, but we ought to make sure people who are non-golfers and maybe non-sports fans do it. So that's what this is all about as well. So why don't you kind of go through, if you don't mind, uh, some of the, you know, your early history and then uh, the accident, let's say, and and more importantly, what you've done uh, with your career in life. Well, I was born in Neptune. Now I live in Jupiter. <laughs> well, can make this stuff up. Now, I Neptune, know, that's New Jersey, and yeah. Neptune, New Jersey, and Jupiter, Florida. And ever since I was a young boy, I loved to play golf. Uh, decided when I was about twelve that I wanted to see if, how good I could actually get. And my my big dream was to play successfully on the PGA Tour. I was going in that direction. I'd won three state championships in New Jersey. I played college golf at North Texas State. I finished 11th in the U.S. Amateur when it was medal play, 1971. And I tried to qualify for the PGA Tour. I got to the finals and missed. I was going to try again when I had an accident in 1974. It left me paralyzed from the waist down. And at that time, it was not looking real good for my dream of becoming a professional golfer. I was in the hospital for four months. I was in rehab for four months. I was probably about as low as one person could get. I'm sure everybody has a story. And I, I, I'm, I would probably believe I was probably tied for first in how low you could go. Uh, but I, 
I was laying in a hospital bed and I, I, I never thought I would accomplish anything. I, I figured if I got out of that bed, it would be a major accomplishment. Anyhow, I did get out of that bed. And when I did, I promised myself I was never giving up and I was never quitting. And I was going on, going to go on a quest to figure out a way that I could still play golf because I, I love golf so much. I didn't want to live my life without having golf in it. So this is basically where my journey started. And just about every person I met said it would be impossible for me to play golf because I couldn't stand up. Guess what? They were right. So I started hitting golf balls sitting down. First thing I tried, my wheelchair. Great to be hitting golf balls again. Great for the practice tee. Not so great for the course because I couldn't push the wheelchair all the way around the course. So through trial and error and luck, cooperation and help from friends, my dad, we got the idea to mount a swivel seat on the passenger side of the golf cart. That's how I got back on the course. And for the last 44 years, I've traveled the world telling my story, encouraging others to reach for their dreams, strive for excellence, and do something in their life they didn't think they could. So our show is great golf, bad jokes, a talking dog, and an uplifting message. And that's my story. You've qualified for all of those, especially the bad joke side. That's an easy one. Uh, uh, look, the, the bottom line is that uh, the more people that hear your story, the more inspired people get. Uh, how did the, from a business perspective, you know, you, you decided to uh, travel the world and tell the story. Uh, that does, just doesn't happen overnight. Uh, did you have some, some benefactors, a foundation? Uh, did you fundraise? I mean, those, those issues are also important for the business audience because you've sustained uh, for 44 years into a real force in the industry. Uh, I, I'm sure it was hard, quote unquote, getting started uh, in this world, uh, not only physically, but also from a business perspective? You're 100% accurate there, Rick. And honestly, uh, that's one of the things I'm really proud of. And uh, quite frankly, not many people ask me that type of question, but it's, it's, it's really has a, a, a warm spot in my heart because I was, when I first started doing this, I did it all for myself. I, w I was just trying to cope with what I consider to be a totally hopeless situation. But as I started to get back on the golf course again and be able to play, I gave, there were three golf courses that had benefit tournaments for me. And after I had started to play again, I talked to my dad and I said, what about if we go back to these places and we show them that I was playing golf again? And he said, champ, that's a great idea. So we did that. And at the last one, I re when I was a kid, I saw Paul Hahn Sr. He was uh, the, gr the greatest, most well-known trick shot artist of the 50s and 60s. And I saw him give an exhibition when I was a kid. And I said to my dad, can you make me a three-foot high tee? Sure. So anyhow, I did it. I hit a, a beautiful shot off a three foot high tee. I got a much bigger response. I said, maybe I'm onto something. So I did a little research. There were probably have been about 10 people in the history of golf who've made a, li a living 
hitting trick golf shots. And I, I tried to borrow some of theirs. And as I started to get going, I started making up my own shots. And I was really going nowhere fast because not many people would hire me. I, I think my dad called every course in America. Every once in a while, he'd scrape one up and we'd go out and do it. And, but in the meantime, I was, I was getting a lot better because I was doing hundreds of shows at the back of the range for my dog, the birds, the squirrels, and the trees. And I'm really going nowhere. In the early 80s, my dad wrote a letter to Jack Nichols, who at the time owned the McGregor Golf Company. And he appealed to him as a father trying to help his son. Anyhow, the McGregor Golf Company signed me, and that was my really big break. And uh, I've now done over 3,000 performances. I've traveled over 3 million miles doing this. And uh, I hit a lot of great golf shots in the show. I have a lot of unusual clubs, clubs with hinges, hoses, off three-foot-high tees, through fire, while they roll. And each, each shot has a little story that goes with it. And it is, uh, it's about golf, of course, but it's about a lot more than just golf because I am encouraging people by telling my own story. I'm encouraging others to reach for their dreams, strive for excellence and do something in their life that they didn't think they could. And that is, uh, that that's it. And again, like I said, I, I, my big dream was to play successfully on the PGA tour. I've now been on tour for 44 years. This is not the tour I had in mind, but it's my own tour. It's, it's, uh, it's fashioned out of the passion that I have for golf and the finding out to, to make my way in this world through my golf skill was my real dream and I've been able to do it. But along the way, I've been able to positively influence many others and maybe only by a little bit, but that's made it even better. As we recover from COVID, we need uplifting stories. We also know how important sports is from a business and a psychological perspective to help that recovery. As far as the golf industry is concerned, it's been doing amazingly well as a outside sport that people can use as a release from the problems of the day, especially with six foot gimmies and social distancing, although I kid. And the bottom line of all of that is that you have, I'm sure, an ability to be part of that. Uh, and your story is even more important these days, I think, as we're all looking for positives in sports to help our own personal recoveries. Talk about that for a second. Well, again, you're spot on because uh, unfortunately for the last six months, I haven't been able to do a show. So I'm, I'm, I've been practicing five or so days a week and I I'm hitting the ball. Great. I'm ready to go, but there's with the COVID situation, no gatherings and all this other stuff that goes with it. Unfortunately, how many, for a second, how many, how many strokes do you give your dog a hole? I mean, are you taking money from the poor animal or not? Are you okay? Well, the, the, the answer to that is I had so much free time. I actually taught him to hit a golf ball. <laughs> and, uh, when I yeah, do go back to work, the dog, I've always had a dog in my show. They're all rescue dogs from yeah. animal shelters or rescue groups. And I've always had a dog in the show as the opening act. The 
I've taught them all to answer questions by barking out the answers. And they're very, all of them are very good in math, general information and golf trivia. But with the, uh, I got a new dog on January 1st and I, it had been my uh, hope that I could teach one how to hit uh, golf balls. I didn't really try too much with the others. I gave it a, a kind of a mild effort, but I, I wrote when I was looking for a dog, it took me nine months to find this one. When I was looking, I wrote down all the things I wanted to teach him. And that was like second or third on the list. And I said, I'm going to do it. And I, I did have so much free time. I did it. It's, I could watch him hit golf balls all day. It's just, it's great. I, I just enjoy the heck out of it. And I'm hoping the crowds will like it too, but, uh, I'm sure the crowds will love it. And frankly, <laughs> you know, you're the best at all this. Let me just one more final thought about you and your impact on the industry. You have a, a real significant following and just like every other role model athlete and golfer, they've brought a lot of people into the fold, obviously tiger and the African-American world and, and, and female golfers as well. Uh, I assume your story also hits home with uh, physically challenged uh, athletes or people who want to play golf. What's the, where's the program in that context going on? And are we shooting for um, the, 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 you know, golf in the Paralympics? Is that too distant a dream or, or where's that going? Um, Word on the street is that someday it'll be in there. I hope I'm, I hope I'm still here to see it in, uh, in a perfect world, participate in it. Uh, one of the things that I've tried to do is just through, again, through my own work, I've been a pioneer for people who have disabilities to play golf as I do. And listen, playing golf is not the most important thing in the whole world, but if it's something you want to do, then it becomes very important and I've also found through working with various groups that of people with disabilities that if, if you tell a guy in a wheelchair that, he, why, don't, why don't you try golf? No, I, I, don't, I, don't, I see that as impossible. Well, if they see me do it, then they might say, well, he can do it. I can do it. And I believe that if you accomplish, whoever you are, if you accomplish something that you didn't think was possible, then it has wide ranging ramifications throughout all other aspects of your life. And maybe you'll go on to achieve other things. And if nothing else, it's a wonderful recreation that allows you to be outside in the fresh air, the sunshine, you're with your friends. For, for most people, especially with those with disabilities, it's far better medicine than any pill you can take. It's a great social icebreaker. It's just a great recreation. And I'm hoping again, through what I do, that others will get this idea and will want to do it as well. Dennis Walters, as we can see, provides an extra important intersection between life and sports as we head closer to the holidays. Welcome to the Esports Minute of Keeping Score with Rick Coro. I'm Mitch Reams from the Esports Network. Epic Games is expanding its partnership with the NFL to include both Fortnite and Rocket League. Back when Fortnite was on top of the world in 2018, the NFL was one of the main partnerships that stood out from that time. It seemed like everyone in the popular game was wearing an NFL jersey for a few weeks, whether or not they actually cared about the league itself. Now that partnership is coming back and is expanding to Rocket League as well. 
Rocket League's exact activation has yet to be announced, but for Fortnite we've seen in the past and it seems to be stepped up a bit this year. All 32 teams will get Gridiron Gang outfits in two styles, likely a male and female. Players will still be able to customize their jersey number as well. For the last activation, jersey numbers were able to be changed, and players immediately started recreating controversial NFL players like convicted murderer Aaron Hernandez and Mike Vick, a QB arrested for his role in a dogfighting operation. Still, the benefits clearly outweighed any perceived negatives from the league on this one. Even with Fortnite's player base down from its high in 2018, the game still commands a large audience and so does Rocket League, which recently became free to play, expanding its player base. For traditional sports leagues often competing with video games when it comes to younger audiences, extra promotion in these games can go a pretty long way in making sure fans don't forget the NFL every Sunday. That's all for this eSports Minute of Keeping Score. Now back to Rick Hora. Lifestyle Minute this week with Enid Vienna, lifestyle expert and wellness writer. She's the editor of two websites, the evsocial.com, which covers entertainment, wellness, fashion, and travel, and hamptonsmoms.com, which addresses all things family, on Long Island's Magical East End. She also contributes content to various magazines and websites, such as Hamptons Magazine, ArtSugar.com. Follow her on Instagram at the EV Social and Hamptons Moms. This week, with reports of Thanksgiving 2020 being the super spreader and the second wave of COVID thanks threatening to strike like D-Day, bracing for the new normal, which means record high levels of online shopping people avoiding malls and stores in person, and taking to their iPhones. While this keeps padding Jeff Bezos' golden line pockets, what does it mean for small businesses, the kind of businesses that have been decimated all year by things like lack of college football fans infiltrating their small towns and cities nationwide? While apps like Strava are positioned for the pandemic pivot as they're able to add more stay-at-home workouts to their app offerings, which keeps them and all of us winning big, Maybe in winning slim. Everyone loves a good comeback, especially when Mike Tyson's involved. Let's be honest, we all tuned in to watch Tyson's exhibition fight this weekend, with the best news being he donated the money he received to charity. And even better, he's anticipating a pay-per-view legends-only league in which retired athletes across all sports will compete. Exactly the kind of programming we can all get behind, especially now. Pretty ready for Iron Mike to get back on the big screen, we all loved him in Hangover movies, a legend indeed. That's Enid Viana's Lifestyle Minute. How about the Sports Tech Minute? Well, it's a big issue this week. The pandemic seemingly hasn't deterred esports at the collegiate level, even in hard-hit California. On the collegiate scene, Synopsis Sports says the esports programs at the University of California, Irvine, UCLA, and UC Berkeley are partnering to pilot a UC esports initiative kicks off with the holiday tournament for all nine UC undergraduate campuses. Organizers planned the inaugural competition as a way to elevate esports across the UC system and boost student engagement at a time when instruction is mostly remote. December 19 through 22 and encompasses League of Legends, Overwatch, Valorant, and community events. Xfinity is set to serve as a title sponsor of the initiative, Corsair will be the official peripheral partner, MCI, the F MSI, the official PC competitors to use the game. Another be benefit to college esports during COVID, college esports teams have not experienced the same level of community spread as their stick and ball counterparts. 
incidents that saw over a dozen college football games postponed or canceled last week alone. Finally, the good sports time, not only the one issue, but as we've done throughout the pandemic, many issues. WWE looks to empower with UNICEF. They can help children realize the difficult feelings they may be struggling to understand. It's normal, according to the chief marketing officer, Shelly Diamond of UNICEF, who reached a deal with the WWE, unlikely bedfellows, but certainly appropriate. Ahead of the December 22 season tip-off, the NBA and its Players Association announced a powerful new coalition. The social justice messaging full-court press, as strong as its basketball skills during the Orlando bubble playoff season, and no surprise that social justice initiatives are once again top of mind for players and league officials alike. Fresh off its turn on Capital One's The Match, Champions for Change, which benefited HSBCUs, Stefan Curry, a new philanthropic gig like his match partner Peyton Manning, Curry seems to be setting up a post-basketball career focusing on media and philanthropy. Good for him. Do you excel at paper football in elementary school? If so, Allstate's Good, Challenge, Good Hands Challenges is for you. Each post, according to news releases from the insurance giant, generates a $10 contribution. The paper football flicks December 21, uh, November 21 through December 13th. We all know that. We all played it. And now we're going to generate money for charity. And finally, even though it's not baseball season, Baltimore Orioles first baseman help fill the stadium to fight childhood hunger during the pandemic. First baseman we're talking about is Chris Davis and his wife Jill, gifting a million dollars to Compassion International's Fill the Stadium initiative. The Davis gift will support 2,000 families as every 500 provides a year's worth of food, hygiene, products, and COVID-19 medical screenings to a child and his and her family. Clearly, more to come as we head deeper into the holiday season. It's our show for the week. We'd like to thank Dennis Walters for giving his time and inspiration. I'd like to thank Enid Viana and others for contributing their respective minutes. I'd like to thank you for watching, watching and listening. And join us next week when we continue to keep score. Action Images is the global multimedia sports agency of Reuters. Leagues, teams and federations around the world rely on Action Images to create, distribute and monetize their content. Action Images' global footprint means sports media expertise is never far away. For more information, visit actionimages.com.